This is a warning to all living mortals that on the 13th of December, Moose will release 13 of the most terrifying interviews of horror unto the world. That's right, 13 brand new episodes in the month of December leading up to our season premiere. And until then, horror hounds, mash on. to another episode of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm your host, Moose, and this is another installment of the 13 Horrifying Days of Christmas. And today's gift, well, it's a tale of terror that gripped a small Texas town has haunted them ever since. Let's just get into it. From the Sawyer Massacre, Mr. Steve Merlot. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm I'm glad we were able to get this uh, locked in because I mean we were, we were back and forth as to whether or not schedule would allow it. So <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> schedules can be tough sometimes. Yeah, you know, and, and this is one of those movies that I, I really wanted to talk about because I remember seeing the uh, Indiegogo campaign announcement, and I was like, okay, that's it's definitely an interesting idea, which leads me to where I wanted to start. This is, and the movie starts off, it's the unofficial prequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Why a prequel? In like all, in everything in fan films right now, you chose to do a prequel. Why? Uh, that's something that took a, a lot of thought. Um, it was mostly about picking a time period that felt relevant. So it wasn't to do a prequel to tell an origin story or, or anything like that. It was, you know, I wanted to choose a time period that I felt was, uh, going to uh, have some uh, some significance to it you know that uh, made a mark in the uh, in the social climate that was you know a, uh, an important time you know uh, for the US but also a very dark time overall you know with the the Vietnam war starting and all that kind of stuff uh, so I wanted to to make sure I had a, a time period that uh, felt symbolic and also but something that could also contrast a lot with uh, what's relevant today you know so uh, at the time I wrote it, actually, it was it, it was actually 2019 when I more or less had the finish. Uh, we did make changes going into shooting and stuff like that, mostly due to locations and stuff like that. But uh, uh, but it was in 2019 before the pandemic, and it was amazing when I when the pandemic hit, uh, how much I could go look at my script and say, "Oh my God, there's re- there's references to the pandemic in this movie," uh, without even you know, having having known that that was going to happen at the time, you know, there's you know, Grandpa talking about the this virus, and it was the the vi- he's talking about the virus of the human race, yeah, 
you know, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, there's just these little subtle things and like, you know, hey, that is relevant today now. <laughs> you know, it's more relevant now than it was when I wrote it. So, uh, you know, I was, uh, it, it was just about choosing a time period that I felt like this was a significant time uh, to talk, you know, to, to set your, your movie because that was one thing that was great about the original was it was a product of its time and it really reflected on all the, the miserable things that were happening in that, that time period. So I wanted to kind of do the same. I wanted to represent it in the, in that same manner. Well, and you're, you're, you're obviously a fan of the, uh, you know, uh, original movie. So, when you sat down to start this project, what was the uh, spark that was like, yep, I want to tackle, because, like, you, if you look at the fan film world right now, and indie film world right now, there's, I mean, it's flooded with Jason, it's flooded with Michael, yeah. and here you come with Leatherface. You know, what about Leatherface just says, you know, draws and not just you in particular. What do you think draws people into the Leatherface character? Uh, I mean, he's very disturbing, in my opinion. Uh, I know that some people view him as a sympathetic character, and to an extent, he is. But I mean, to me, there's nothing. He's so real. I guess that's, and that's always been my thing with horror. I want, I want to feel like something is real, because that's what scares me the most: is what actually feels like it could happen. Uh, so I've, I've never been very fond of like supernatural horror and stuff like that although i mean there's a few that i don't mind that i you know that i can get into a little bit but um but he he is a very real person and i think that was the thing that the original did better than the others any of any of the others in the franchise's leatherface feels genuine in that film as soon as he steps on screen he's a real person and you believe that person is somewhere in Texas and probably there probably is a leather face somewhere in Texas that you don't know about. And, uh, and that, I think that's what intrigued me about him the most. And then, you know, learning about the cannibalism aspect and the, and the, uh, the fact that he's actually wearing his victims faces and why he's wearing his victims faces, you know, and, and I think that, that to me is what ma- makes the character so unique and there's still some ambiguity behind him, you know, it's, it's, you don't know his real name, at least not in the original, I mean, they've always kind of, his name is Bubba, or his name is Jed, or I don't, well, I don't know what his real name is, but in, in the original, he, he was called Leatherface, yeah. and that was all he was called, and, and the hitchhiker was called the hitchhiker, and the cook was the cook, and grandpa was grand. who are these people? They didn't even have the Sawyer name back then, I was hesitant to even call my film the Sawyer Massacre, just because I didn't want to I wanted to keep that ambiguity behind. I, I wanted to really only reference the original, but enough people convinced me to call it the Sawyer Massacre. So I don't know. I'm still, I'm still not, I've never been a fan of the name, but you know, once I, once I, uh, I, I, I went for, I, you know, committed to it. I really committed to it. So, um, but there's a part of me that thinks it, it's in some way should be just called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre of 65 or something like that, you know, just to just to keep it still Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I guess. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for all those all those reasons to me, Leatherface, at least the original interpretation of the character, the original version of the character, he's just he's just the scariest, uh, the scariest uh, horror villain in my mind. Anyways, the whole family is really yeah. is really 
terrifying when you really look at it. But uh, but yeah, Leatherface was the was the poster boy, I guess you could say, and uh, it's pretty terrifying. Oh yeah, you know it, it's funny that you said that. You know, one of the things that you, you really liked about the original was that the the original was a product of its time, and what what I found throughout watching Sawyer Massacre is that, and I, I don't know if it was intentional, but you, you kind of lean in to uh, Leatherface being a product of his environment, which has always kind of been that, uh, you know, they made him the way he is, which lends back to that, you know, sympathetic uh, character. So I, I just thought the uh, parallel there was uh, pretty uh, cool that it just kind of locked in. Yeah, th- that was definitely intentional for sure. Uh, I definitely wanted to keep him, uh, you know, pro- him being like the product of his family and, and grandpa essentially being the one that's, that's trained him to be- become the way he was, you know, even though grandpa's, you know, can't really do much, but you even see like little hints of grandpa showing him how to do stuff the way he did. And, you know, and, and so, I mean, I, I really felt like grandpa was important to keep, uh, uh grandpa was important to 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 show how Leatherface really became that killer he was because I always kind of believed that uh, you know characters like the cook you know probably wanted to control him you know and and you know keep that part of him hidden uh, again that's up to interpretation but uh, you know I I really felt like there was a bond between Leatherface and Grandpa even when I watched the original you see you see Leatherface I think you see Leatherface kind of even give him a kiss at some point in the movie I can't remember I I'll have to double check that but there's like you can see there's a bond between Leatherface and Grandpa and uh I think you can really tell that Leatherface really loves Grandpa and I think it's be- I felt, felt like it's because you know Grandpa trained him to become the the person he was you know the Grandpa almost kind of raised him in a sense you know so uh, that was important to me. To I wanted to really explore that a little bit more with this film, and uh, you know, it might. Some people think that's kind of risky, you know. But <laughs> there's, I, we took a few risks with our film. But uh, but hey, if you don't take risks, you know, there's no reward. Right. Well, and that that was always one of the elements that I really liked, because um, like I had a really strong relationship with uh, my uh, grandfather. So seeing that on the big screen with this you know, kind of outcast guy who, you know, you probably shouldn't like, but you're just like, oh, well, okay, he's been dealt a shit hand, you know, so it's always fun and almost heartwarming to see that relationship play out, because, like, you know he's not just a monster. There, There is something behind the mask. Definitely. I agree. Um... There's another character trope that comes up in your movie that I, I wanted your uh, opinion on, and not necessarily from like a filmmaker's perspective, but just like a, a horror fan, etc. Let's look at your victims, or could be victims, and their inquisitive nature at the beginning. Um, one might call them stupid. All of them. Is that just like, do you think, because like, obviously, you know, you need them to be super inquisitive. Otherwise, there's no movie. But do you think that's a uh, like people really would be that dumb or is it more? They're just like, well, now I want to see what's going on. 
is there a guy down the street actually selling supplies? Because I mean that 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 trap uh that that, that trap bought a lot uh caught a lot of people. That's I mean and that could be I mean I mean it depends on how you look at it I guess you know but I tried to write it a, from a perspective as you know what, what would I do if somebody told me that somebody down the street had what I need I I probably still go you know I you know you know, are you cautious sure I mean the house was pretty sketchy yeah <laughs> I mean uh. But, uh, you, you know, I don't know. I, I've always been kind of an inquisitive person myself. And and uh, and when you need something, you need something. You're out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like, I personally don't feel like that uh, any of our characters did anything like super stupid, personally. I, see, I mean, and, and no, I, I, and I definitely don't I get mean, it, uh, though. You know, say yeah. that, you know, it was just like, you know, oh, there, you know, you know, it's that you know they're running into the woodshed trope stuff like that because yeah. I, I will, you know, uh, you, you did very much show the, uh, you know, the, the the caution element was there and like should we be doing this? And it like yeah. it, it just made me wonder if that's the first thing that comes to your head when you pull up, why'd you do it? <laughs> you know, and, and it, it, it's always astounded me in horror because that, that happens a lot. It's like should this be something we're doing? I'll turn around yeah. and go home. I, I, and I totally get that. I mean, and it, it is it is something I was considering when I was writing the, the, the film, you know, when I was writing it, I'm like, is this, does this seem too stupid? And I, I had to kind of uh, think about it for a little bit. But, you know, I just, I just try to put myself in their shoes, you know. You need stuff. Well, sure, this place looks kind of sketchy, but, eh, you know, I mean, is it really going to hurt to check it, it out? Did <laughs> yeah. you really think? Did you really think anybody was even going to be in there? I mean, I mean, it, so I mean, you just kind of play it by, I don't know, you, you just kind of play it by what you would actually think if you were there in that situation. Would you actually think there's anybody in that house? Probably not, but is it worth to look? Sure, have a look. I've always been curious. I've, I've gone into old houses, you know, that looked like they were abandoned or probably were abandoned. And, uh, you know, just not thought, not, I mean, you never think that some guy with a chainsaw is going to come out and <laughs> you just, you would never imagine that in a million years, you know, but, but, uh, I don't, I mean, I personally think there's a lot more dumb decisions made in, in other horror films, oh, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, you know, but, uh, cause you just, I, you would never see something like that happening in an old house like that. Um, but again, you know, I, I definitely see the point that, that you're making with, with something like that. And it was something I did think about, you know, are these characters too, you know, going into obvious of a trap? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, that's, a, that's a tough one for me. You know, it was something I, uh, you know, I did think about, but, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't something I said, well, this, these characters all seem really, really dumb for, yeah. you know, um, but I see your point, though. I mean, it's 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 maybe not the strongest aspect of it, but at the same time, you you have to find a way to get these people into into Leatherface's clutches. And well, and you know, I tried to do it in such a, I did try to do it in such a way where it didn't feel like uh, like even in the original, they just they just went into this house, you know. Yeah. They did, they, and they were warned. They were warned even by the the cook, you know, uh, don't go on people's property. Of course, they were talking about the other house, but. Uh, but you know, some people don't like it and don't mind showing you. Like that line was pretty evident. Right. Whereas in this, 
movie, they were encouraged. So they were like, oh, yeah, don't worry. But I know it looks rough, but but see, don't worry. My grandpa will take care of you. And, you you know, when you get this well, encouragement, it's, it's a little bit. It's a little bit less of, of that of that trope in that regards, but you know, it's, I get it though. I get it though, and and I think a lot of people will see it that way. Oh yeah, that, that's and, you know, like I said, I, I want to <laughs> clarify. You know, like it, it's definitely not a knock in any way. It's just, uh, I know, but uh, I mean, I do kind of knock myself a little bit on stuff like that. I mean, I do see issues I I had with the script, and I think uh, I should have done this a little bit differently. Well, and you're, uh, you're not just you're that particular tear it apart like the rest other of your life, though. What's that? Uh, I said you're going to keep tearing it apart the rest of your life, though, because you did oh, it, you probably. put it out, and you're going to keep finding <laughs> things that. Uh, I'll, I mean, I'm I mean, it's just it's part of my nature as an artist, you know, to to critique my own work, you know. But uh, you know, I mean, at the at the end of the day, I know I have to move on and make make other stuff, but <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it. You're never satisfied with your own art. I think at the end of the day, right. you know, it's. Uh, it's definitely by far, far from a perfect film, uh, but uh, but it's but good. I, I think it, it has those good positives. I guess so. <laughs> Did you know? I mean, you promised a movie in the realm of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's shot well. The kills are great, and it's a solid story. End of the day, I, I don't know about everybody else. It's all I care about. That's good. <laughs> it's. Yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, I hope people think it's a solid story. I mean, uh, I, I I wanted to be I wanted to make something more character driven, mm-hmm. and I, I know that a lot, hey, a lot of people aren't going to like that. Uh, you know, when it comes to horror, they just want to see kill, 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 and and who cares about the characters, you know? But um, and I, I I do kind of think that with the as far as you know making the dumb decisions, you know, does does uh, that take away from the characters? Because I really tried to set up the characters to be likable. Uh, that was my, my biggest goal is to make sure every, every character felt, felt like a genuine, like genuine, likable person. Um, but at the same time, you're, you know, you gotta see how they get into trouble, you know, but, uh, um, but it, it is always a risk when you write something that's kind of more character driven that, no, oh, people aren't going to care about the characters. Who cares about characters in horror, right? Let's just see them get killed. Uh, I don't know. I care about characters. <laughs> well, see, and that, that, that's such a like double-edged sword right there. Because in horror, and specific hor- horror specifically, if it's not character-driven, people will gripe that you didn't care about the people that were dying. It was just a gore fest. Then on the flip side, if it's if it is character-driven, it's oh, I wanted more death, I wanted more gore, and it's like... <laughs> this was a boring movie, I've heard well, that. Well, you can't I have know, it both I've ways. I know. <laughs> you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, you know, so I mean, it's the, the I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to please everybody with this movie, and you know, some people went into it wanting, thinking they were going to love it, and didn't. And, hey, that's okay, you know, it's it can't be for everybody. Um, but you know, I'm happy to see we do have a, a decent audience for this movie because oh, yeah. I I wasn't sure. Like, I'll be honest, man. Before this thing was released, I was like, I don't think people are gonna like this movie because uh, I can see all the flaws. I can I, I I see every little flaw in this movie. I can see all the things I was trying to do that I couldn't do due to budget and and the locations were just not quite what I was 
hoping for and and all the all this all these elements that were against us uh, against any movie made on five figures you know rather than seven figures or eight figures like a hollywood film uh but uh but we we made the movie we told the story at least and i think that that's why i think that's why the majority of the audience likes the film uh, because the, the story is there and they can see past a lot of the, I don't know, suspension of disbelief in some areas and, and, you know, how maybe a little choppy some of it is, you know, and that's just due to time. <laughs> that's yeah. just due to filming a movie in nine days, a feature film in nine days, which should be impossible, but it should be impossible to do that, but somehow we pulled it off. <laughs> um, where did, where did you film it all at? Um, it was in various locations in, in uh, Central Texas, but most of it was, yeah, most of it was filmed in uh, a little town called Bartlett. Uh, that's just about, uh, yeah, it's about forty-five minutes northeast of Austin. So m- the majority of it was there. We had one location that we had to go a little bit further. We had to go towards Houston, for and that was the basement. All the stuff, all the basement stuff, uh, was shot in a small town towards Houston. Because I didn't realize this when I wrote the script, but basements are extremely rare in Texas. Extremely rare. So I had to, uh, I had to get creative with that. <laughs> but a uh, little bit of a drive out of the way, but uh, a couple hours. But uh, we made it work. Well, see, and th- this is another one of those uh, things that really helped. Uh, another one of those things that I think really helped uh, bolster your audience was when you were announcing like where you were filming and what you wanted to film the uh netflix uh tcm had just dropped and there were a, a lot of people in the horror community talking about how you know they were excited that this one would be shot in texas and not some little town overseas so i, I think that was a brilliant choice why, thank you. I, you know, at the time when I was, I mean, before I started, um, before I really went into pre-production on this film, I really thought, man, it would be so awesome if we could actually film this thing in Texas. You know, I'm from Western Canada, and, you know, I was prepared to shoot it here if I absolutely had to, but I always thought it, it would be a great goal to, to actually raise enough money to film it in Texas. And I didn't realize it at the time, but holy crap, that was smart marketing because, you know, everybody knew that this new Texas Chainsaw Master film that came out this year was not being shot in Texas. And I think there's a lot of people actually disappointed that they went overseas again. There's the second time that they went to Bulgaria to, to, to create film, Texas, to create Texas with some set that was an obvious set. I, I mean, if there's one one big eyesore in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think it's that that town set, setting does not feel authentic whatsoever. But, you know, I won't get into that too much because, I mean, uh, hey, you know what? <laughs> that, that movie has some positives too, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I, what, when I was promoting shooting this film in Texas, I would get people reaching out to me. Are you going to shoot it in Texas? Because if you do shoot it in Texas, I'll support Uh and I was like, yeah, well, I, I will have to see how much we raise. Uh, you know, I, I was like that at first. You support us shooting in Texas. Uh, yeah, exactly. You should, that's <laughs> exactly. That was pretty much it. Uh, that was pretty much it. I, Cause I wanted to shoot it in Texas and, and uh, you know, eventually got to the point where, 
uh, I was getting messages from people in, in that area. They were like, uh, how about this? I, I'll pay you for this. So I'll, I'll, I'll get you, I'll do a package deal or something like that. It'll be a couple grand. And as long as you're shooting in Texas, I'm behind you. We've got it. And so I made that commitment. We're definitely shooting in Texas. Oh, yeah. When I started to get, you know, it, it eventually equaled about 10 grand that that I have proof of anyways that I that I can say okay I got you know this person actually messaged me and said as long as you're shooting in Texas here's your money um because they wanted roles in the film and stuff like that you know they wanted little roles and to be on set and all that kind of stuff which made sense you know it makes it because they're not going to come to Canada you know right. people aren't going to you know um so I mean it actually became profitable for me to shoot in Texas uh, even though, uh, yeah, of course, I had to pay plane tickets and stuff to fly down to fly down there. But uh, I mean, plane tickets were you know two to three grand, you know, between for myself and and uh, a couple of actors. And so when you're, it, it was like kind of way the way what's better, you know, save three grand on plane tickets, but then you won't get ten grand donated to your campaign, right. you know. So it it's just made more sense at that point. Um, it's that's bad yeah, money to make money. Exactly. You know, I know people say it's it's cheaper to shoot in Canada, and there are some things that are cheaper to shoot in Canada. Uh, depends on what. It's definitely cheaper for big budget films to shoot in Canada. I'll say that because there's so many tax incentives and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, but uh, but for a smaller thing like me, I don't think it's really that much cheaper to shoot in Canada. Um, some of the labor costs are a little bit cheaper, but. Not that much cheaper, really, even still. You know, I look at, 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 well, we save money on our film because a lot of the cast and crew, uh, cut their, their regular fees down quite considerably for our film. So, uh, thank you to all those people, by the way. And I'm still kind of trying to back pay a little bit of, a little bit of that because I just, uh, I feel like people are worth the wages that, the, that they should get. But, you know, the, everybody was very cooperative. You know, like, I can do this for you. Or some people even donated their time. I was, you know, just shocked, you know, by how many people were willing to donate their time just so that we can make this movie. So, you know, I still got my Indiegogo campaign simply for that reason. You know, I want to see if I can back pay a lot of these people because they deserve it. They they busted their ass for this movie. So, And overall, it's been super well received. It has. It has. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked, actually. <laughs> Again, like I, I said earlier, it's, it's shocking to me. But, uh, so you know, like at the same time, like I think. Seven and a half out of nine average right now. Something like that. Something so, like mean, that. IMDb score is, is, IMDb score has been fluctuating a bit between seven and eight. Yeah. So I mean, out that, of ten. That's so insane. It is for an indie, for a, a movie made for 30 grand. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's. <laughs> It's, say that uh, there it's are a major big motion pictures that don't have that luxury. So, I mean, you definitely knocked out something that people, the majority of people enjoy. Of course, you have some detractors, but eh. Ah, you know, you know you're, you're, you're going to get, if you don't get haters, you didn't do something wrong. You're doing you something do, wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, if you have, if you, if you go on your YouTube comments and there's not a single comment from somebody that says, I hated that film. You did something wrong. Right. I'm just gonna say that because you because know, uh, you need to get the hater. That means your 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 word. The word is actually getting out there. You know, the word is getting out there, and and you can't please everybody. That's just a fact. You just can't please everybody. But uh, 
as long as I please one person, I'm a happy guy. If oh, somebody yeah. liked my film, if somebody thought, hey, man, you did a great job with your film, I'm, uh, that makes me happy. That makes me happy because that's what I wanted. I wanted to, I wanted to make a film for the fans, you know. Uh, being a fan myself, you know, I wanted to try to capture what I would have wanted to see, you know, but, uh, again, I'm critical of my work too, but, you know, I still like what I did though. Oh, yeah. I still do. Yeah. You know, and like I said, start to finish, it is a solid project, solid movie. I've watched it twice now. I'll probably watch it again. Um, hopefully pick up new things every time you watch it. Cause I am pretty subtle in my delivery. So the second time I watched it, I actually grab something that I didn't see the first time and it, it bugged me but not like enough to be like oh, I can't watch this movie the, uh, <laughs> the, the the rims on the stepside pickup oh that yeah well uh, you didn't see that the first time <laughs> no, like I, I, I was just sitting the first time I'm just sitting back and watching the movie I'm like all right this is a good movie and then sitting back the second time I'm like hey <laughs> crap yeah but again I'll say it again. This is a movie made for thirty grand. No, yeah. <laughs> and to capture nineteen sixty five perfectly was going to be impossible. I like we did we did pretty. I think we did pretty good considering our budget. Oh god! And yeah. you consider you consider some of these Hollywood films mess up stuff like that big time. Uh, yeah, the two thousand and three remake. The two thousand and three remake. Oh, man, there's some stuff in there that is so not time period, but. But, uh, you know, I was focused in on the truck that's go around because my grandpa had one that was identical to it. Oh, I see. So there you go. <laughs> like I'm watching it. I'm yeah, like, oh, that truck. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, oh, those rims are I, a little out of place. But outside of that, solid. <laughs> oh, there's a few. There's a few other little non time period things. Uh, yeah. The sh- the shoes on the girl when she's hung on the meat hook. We got this close up yeah. of her feet dangling. Those shoes are very modern. Uh, well, I mean, that, that's something the else hard too. Part I can't about doing a period piece. Oh, it's so hot. It's so tough. So yeah, you know, that was one of the things that you know uh, I wanted to ask about because like, and that 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 led back into the like why a prequel because like you could do a modern one and not have to worry about anything, but then here you have this prequel. And you then had that added stress of, oh my God, we're in Texas in the sixties. Is this right? <laughs> Is that right? I know. Like at what point do you just say fuck it? And that's what they have. <laughs> you know that uh, there were times when I considered that. You know, but uh, uh, I'm stubborn. I'm a stubborn. A- I'm s- stubborn as a mule. And when I wrote my script, I'm like, this is got to be 65. Yeah, I, I was stubborn about it. I was really stubborn. I really wanted to be as authentic as I possibly could. Uh, but, but I was also willing to do the research on the time period. So, I mean, that news report you hear in the beginning, I researched a lot of stuff that happened in that. And so a lot of what you hear in that is actually real. The only thing that's not real, I believe, are the, the people's names that are mentioned. Uh, as those were Indiegogo backers that you know got a perk to get their name said said in the film, um, but other than that, like everything that you see in there, that was a, that was that was real. The protesters, uh, we filmed we filmed those protesters actually in Bartlett at the city hall, and uh, the, they were chanting, "Hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids you killed today?" That was a popular protest at that time period uh, for for the Vietnam War, you know, so. Um, 
I, I did the research. I was willing to do the research to, uh, to make sure I, I, my lingo was okay. And, uh, you know, the costume design, I think most of it really works. Uh, some of it I'm like, eh, that doesn't totally feel right. But, you know, I think for the most period, the costume design works. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did want to go more extreme with some of it. I wanted to have, you know, like, like, uh, the mom character. I wanted her to have, like, those really 60s sunglasses and, you know, have a, you know, 60 style hat and stuff like that, you know, popular hats and stuff back then. So I didn't get to go do it. At, you know, into as much depth with the the costume design as I would have liked to. But again, that's budget. If I had a bigger budget, I would have been able to do more. But but, uh, we made it work. And I think, you know, other than a few little little things here and there, you know, um, it is pretty time period accurate. Uh, The chainsaw, uh, the chainsaw you see is not the same chainsaw from the original, not, not even close. And that was something I researched very, very early on. Uh, because, uh, I was like, I wonder if that chainsaw existed in 65. And sure enough, it came out in 1970. So I researched older chainsaw and it gave me flexibility because I could pick any chainsaw I wanted that was pre 65. Yeah. And as soon as I came across that model, I was like, that's it. That's the chainsaw we're using in our movie. You're the star of the movie. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I mean, Leatherface. As a whole, is is kind of always your your star, but uh, but I think that chainsaw really the chainsaw looked really good on him, oh, in yeah. my opinion. Well, the only thing about that chainsaw, uh, it did run. By the way, I don't think we actually had it running in any shots. I could be wrong on that because we did get it started a few times. It's very tough to start that thing. I know for a fact we never started it indoors because it was so loud that that freaking thing was it was you know, it would blow your ears out. It was that loud. You had to have earplugs if it was indoors. Um, but uh, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that it's a very good probability that none of the shots you you see in the movie, uh, it's running. And there's a few shots you can tell it's not running. And it's a bit of an eyesore. But it's such a, it was such a dangerous chainsaw, though. It was so heavy. It was very loud, kind of unpredictable. Like, that's a chainsaw from the 50s, so... Uh, the fact that it does run is actually pretty remarkable. That's a leg lopper. <laughs> it's kept in good shape. Yeah. So I, but I, I love know that one song. of the uh, <laughs> things that you've kind of gone back and forth with was the ending. Um, yes. You know, and <laughs> whether it should have been like a just clean cut, here it is, a little ambiguous. Uh, now, like I mentioned before we started recording, Personally, I like the ambiguity because this is a franchise built on ambiguity. So, in a, in a franchise like this, I don't think a definitive ending is the route to take. You know, in that, I agree. You know, you, you always have that. Well, do we get more? You know, it always leaves you wanting more, especially in a sense where you're making something that came before. I think it almost has to be ambiguous. Because otherwise you're saying, nope, this is exactly what happened. And then five years from now, they pick back up and this, you know, this is where the franchise starts. Exactly. Uh, uh, That was important to me. I I totally get what you're saying. I think if, if your ending is too cut and dry for a film like this, the talking, the talking ends there with, with the fans, you know, it's like, oh, that's the ending. Whereas, uh, ending like ours, it has some ambiguity. It does 
I mean, it does play into one possibility as being like your most likely possibility, but uh, it uh, it has enough ambiguity that it's it has people building theories, you know, and I think those theories, those really intrigue me. I love hearing what fans think could be the possibility. Is this, you know, is it a positive outcome? Is it a negative outcome? Of course, we really, really lean towards negative, but, you know, I think there's a few positive people out there that could could think that the best possible thing could have happened, but, uh, you know, I uh, the original way I wrote it, it uh, was missing one element from the ending, and that's the final sound that you hear. Uh, it was missing that, and I thought to myself, that's very, that has a lot of ambiguity, you know. And then when I thought of that extra sound you hear, we'll just call it that for now, <laughs> I thought to myself, hmm, that's probably too cut and dry. That's probably just, as, you know, and so I, I thought of it and I said, no, nah, we won't do that. And then I saw something on YouTube that was referencing the exact same thing and how much ambiguity it can actually bring to, to a product. And I, it, it, it made me see this, uh, see that ending in a whole different light. And it made me, it, it essentially made me say, I gotta actually put that in the ending now. It's such a s- simple change. It was, that was the thing. It was an easy, it was an easy fix. You know, it was simply just adding that in the script, you know, and, uh, adding the sound in post. Um, but, uh, it was the right call. It was definitely the right call because, I think as soon as you hear it, it's like, holy crap. It's, it's, it's kind of that holy crap moment, you know? And, uh, I, I felt like we needed that. I don't know if we would have had that holy crap moment if we ended the movie without that. And, uh, sorry to all those people that are watching this, like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, uh, go watch the film. Watch the movie. (laughs) Watch the movie. You'll find out. Um, but yeah, there is enough ambiguity there. And uh, again, at first I thought it was cut and dry and it's not. It really isn't cut and dry. So uh I'm glad that I'm glad that I came up with that idea to do that. It's uh it's probably my favorite aspect of the film. So where can listeners you know follow you and check out the movie and keep up to date with future projects? For sure. Um uh, on Facebook uh, you can join my Sequanda Films uh Facebook group. Uh, that's where you'll be able to find out more about future projects. Uh, but you can also follow the Sawyer Massacre Facebook group. Uh, also, we have a page on Facebook. Uh, we have a massive following on Instagram, getting close to 10,000, I think. Um, so yeah, chainsaw underscore Sawyer on, on, uh, Instagram. Um, we have, we have Twitter as well, massacre at massacre Sawyer. Uh, slasher app, all that. <laughs> I'm everywhere, basically. And our YouTube channel is Saquanda Films on YouTube. So go check that out. And that's where you can watch the film and watch any of the trailers or, and watch even some of my past, uh, short films that I've made. Hell yeah. And listeners, you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or just myself on Facebook and Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Let's look for the moose. Steve, this has been fun. And like I said, been great. I'm really glad we were able to lock this down. Um, Me too. Here, you know, a few months, maybe come back, do an actual dive into the movie because there's so many things I want to talk about but don't want to talk about yet. <laughs> no problem. I love talking spoilers. It's it's been it's been uh, hard for me to <laughs> to keep myself 
contained actually because oh, I, I wanted <laughs> that guy that what as soon as the movie was released let's talk spoilers right. <laughs> tune in tomorrow for another episode of the 13 horrifying days of christmas head over to youtube check out the sawyer massacre steve this has been great thanks for having me until next time horror hounds mash on